Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of the Matador Yachtcast. Yes, I said Yachtcast, not podcast. We are here in sunny Tampa, Florida, on a boat. I'm calling it a boat. I hate calling it a yacht. I just want to call it a boat. I don't know why. But I have an, I have an amazing set of guests with me today. The energy is high. The laughter is going to be a ton today. Welcome to the Matador Yachtcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. But I'm going to start from the end there. I have the infamous, the infamous Mr. Steve Rosser with you. Steve, what's up? Well, I appreciate infamous, but everybody knows me for the hair. Oh, whoa! There we that, go. That that right there. I hope you get that sound effect for that. <laughs> That's your intro right there. That will be my intro in that car to keep my hair up. <laughs> I have the one, the only, Carrie Wise. What's Hello, up? Hello, thank you. I feel so fancy being on this yacht. Right? Yacht. Yacht. The yacht cast. <laughs> We're gonna have too much fun. This is gonna be a fun recording. And then I have the oh so knowledgeable Mr. Michael Renault with me. Michael, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. We're ready for some yacht rock over some here. Yacht rock. <laughs> some yacht talk. Yes, yes. We're John taking, Mayer's we're coming this thing to way us. too far, are we? <laughs> hey guys, I you know I love kicking off these podcasts uh, with some origin stories. Um, that's thanks, Scott. Oh, wow. You're the best. Um, <laughs> he's gonna get a text message from me after this podcast. Uh, but no, I love kicking out these um, these podcasts with a little origin story. A, because I'm always fascinated. Because I, I, no one just wakes up one day and goes, "Huh, I want to be in automotive, right?" So, Steve, I'll start with you, and I'll work my way down to Michael. Steve, how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Yeah, to make it uh, pretty short. Um I was a CRM guy for the longest time, so I represent a CRM company, but uh, I was in two other industries before automotive, did engineering and medical for 16 years, uh, doing surgeries, and but I always kept my life organized as a sales guy with CRM. So I love CRM. I've used everything from ACT and Goldmine, if you remember those back in the day. And uh, my neighbor said, hey, I'm building something, and I know you love startups. And he said, I want you to come up and take a look at something. And so I looked at it, at, no kidding, one in the morning, we were drinking beers, and uh, I looked at it, and he was showing me how he was doing video in the CRM. And I was like, dude, this is, I could sell this in the medical industry right now today. And uh, he said, well, I want you to help start up this company. So not knowing anything about automotive and asking my wife for another leap of faith to start up one more company and get ownership, <laughs> I was able to make the leap of faith. So that that's my story. It's that's been awesome. fun ever since. Well, we're glad Eight you, you made the leap of faith. Yeah, yeah, we're no, very glad great. that your wife allowed you to do that. I'll have to send her a thank you note. Um, hey, Carrie, for yourself, how did you get started in this crazy little world? Yeah, I, I landed on in the automotive <laughs> industry as well. So I was going to Cal State Northridge. I was a marketing student. And I needed an internship. And everyone in the school said, apply to J.D. Power and Associates because he works at the university. So Dave Power, as we we called him, James David (laughs) Power as J.D., um, was an adjunct professor in our graduate program at my university. And we weren't like a super well-known university. And so I followed everyone's advice and said, I'm going to apply for this this marketing research company. And they primarily were automotive. So 
my first project I was assigned to was the SSI and CSI project for Honda and Acura. So I, I you know, manage research studies looking at the dealership uh, process. And, so what, and that's kind of how I landed. What a bird's eye view of what's going on, man. Absolutely, in automotive. And then 23 years later, I'm still here. <laughs> Michael, I'm sure you just woke up one day and said, hey, this sounds like fun. I'll do this automotive. Not, not even close. No, no? Okay. no, no. I wish I could say that was. So um, after college, I actually went nowhere near, well, what I thought at the time was nowhere near the auto industry. I went and worked in politics. I ran camp, political campaigns mm-hmm. in, um, from every Everything from local, uh, you know, local races for mayor all the way to congressional and presidential races. And there was a donor of the campaign who owned some dealerships in New York, and he kept bugging me, "Come on, stop this with the politicians. Come do cars. You're going to do cars." And I couldn't wrap my brain around the fact of like, how is like politics like cars? And he keeps telling me, "Oh, it's the same thing. Stop it's trying to make. It. You're making it bigger than what it is. It's just sales." And he was right. He was 100% right. It was just sales. I was selling someone in their ideas yeah. versus the car someone created that helps someone get to it was but I couldn't see it and I could never do it so I I I just real quick so I show up the first day of work and I'm I was like you know all right I'm a big shot I've been to the White House and I've done all these things and I come in my suit ready to work and I come into his office and I go hey John how are you and he just looks at me goes the hell are you wearing (laughs) I said what do you mean I'm here for work let's go he chucks a set of coveralls at me goes get out there start washing cars and that's, and that's what I did all over again in my 30s, like restarting my career of washing cars. And he said, listen, no one's going to respect you if I just come in here and throw you in the, in the boss's seat and let it go. And he was right. And I spent my time washing cars and working in the BDC and went up, you know, into the sales floor mm-hmm. and back to running the BDC into the desk manager and, you know, ended up um, getting involved in marketing and advertising. And then I was ready to leave. I was actually going to come over to the vendor side and the, the vice president of the company left. And the owner called me up and said, you're not allowed to leave. You have to stay and <laughs> end up running the deal group. And then we sold it during COVID. And here I am at Allen Ram. Here you are. Yeah, it's pretty wild. That is awesome. It's pretty wild. That, that is a very, very, very cool journey. And I look, I, I, I do respect you know, the fact that you kind of have to go through that. You know, when I first started in the car business, during the interview process as a salesperson, they're like, you know, why do you want to sell cars? I'm like, well, because uh, I want to be your boss. Um, and, which I thought was a smart answer. I yeah. actually don't think he thought it was a no. smart answer at all. I was, he was, I think he was actually quite annoyed with it. But needless to say, they still hired me. But that person ended up becoming a me- my mentor, and that was some of the advice he gave me. He's like, if you do want to own your dealership, your own dealership one day, you need to work your way through all these different roles. So, you know, the day I left a six-figure sales job to go do a... Forty a year, uh, forty thousand dollar a year advisor uh, role. Everyone thought I was crazy, but it was so so beneficial. But let's, um, you know, a lot of things have changed since that time frame. I'm sure for you guys too. So much has changed in the last twenty four months. I mean, probably more than I even I can probably even count on one hand. But I'd love to kind of kind of kick it off there from a, you know, really kind of a focus on let's call it like people and process, right? Because like in the industry, we love calling ourselves a people industry, people business. It's questionable sometimes if we are, if we're not. But it is. Look, it is. It is a people business. Process definitely. If that's one thing that I think we've learned over the last 24 months is that you know we really are going. We really have to process our way through our communication efforts, the way we contact our, our customers, the way we connect with our customers. So I'll start with uh, Stephen. I'll kind of work my way down. Uh, people and processes. What have you seen kind of fundamentally change in the last 24 months? Well, I think the you know the the customer's sense of urgency of buying a car. I, I remember a presentation I was doing at Kane and some of these other shows, and sitting in Google, where the average uh, customer, whether if it's an internet lead, they were buying a car eighty percent of the time, like fourteen days. 
Um, and if it was a phone up or a showroom up, it was like seven to 10 days, something. I remember those stats. And as we've gone out there in our, in our CRM and measure the customer's buying cycle, um, we're seeing that the average customer, no matter what it is, they're buying a car in four days, 70% mm -hmm. of the time. So I think uh, customers, when they see something and, you know, with, you know, all the different information that's out there, um, the customer can research the car for 15, 17 hours is what I think uh, the stat still is. I, I haven't uh, heard anything new, but if that's the case, people can go out there, talk to customers about, what's your experience with an F-150? And if they, if, if they get sold on F-150 in a forum group, uh, just like anything else, I don't care if you have a sick kid with type 2 diabetes, you're going to join a forum group and you're going <laughs> to ask about therapy, right? Mm -hmm. So it's no difference. You can go out there and find these groups, get knowledgeable about the car you want to buy, and just go ahead and say, hey, I'm going to buy that car because that's, I, I, that's what I'm looking for. And I, I think the dealerships that we're talking to, we're trying to eliminate a lot of these business rules outside of call it 30 days, call it 14 days. I don't it's whatever the store wants to do. Mm -hmm. But if you listen to the data, I think we have to do more with less. You know, it's hard to find good people. And if you're going to do more with less, you got to do something with your processes going further upstream and mm -hmm. focus on where the customer is buying. And um, that is resonating with our customers. And uh, I think that's what dealerships need to do, especially with the way the economy is right now with finding good people. No, it's 100%. I think the expectations, the behavior of the customers significantly change, and we have to process our way to meet them where they need to be met. Carrie, for yourself, what are some of the biggest changes you've kind of seen with people and process over the last 24 months? Yeah, I would agree with Steve that efficiency is definitely the focus, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it became the focus after the pandemic, and, and we continued. We, we benefited, really, when the pandemic happened in terms of running our dealerships in a much more efficient way because we had to. But I think we kept and we held on to some of those um, best practices from people standpoint as well. I think um, from a digital retailing standpoint, you know, we're seeing um, dealers understand or, or, or start to embrace a little bit more of flipping the process upside down, as I like to call it. You know, for our company, you know, customers are coming and they're wanting to get a payment up front. They're wanting to look at F&I products online. You know, I think that was kind of unheard of years ago or would have there would have been a lot more resistance to it and now I, I think dealers are starting to embrace that hey f and i sometimes is a method of search and and shopping mm -hmm. for the consumer and we have to enable some piece of that whereas traditionally that was always something that we just held on to at the very That's end of very the true. experience 100 percent secret right yes. you know don't yes. let them Behind know the what's going to happen yes. in f and i right just when you think we're over Wait one moment. <laughs> one more to the back of that. Yes, just one more. You thought you were done, but <laughs> oh, just kidding. Uh, but no, that's that, look. It's very true, right? I mean, I think again, you know, kind of going back to that consumer behavior, but also just the way that we kind of process our presentation has kind of fundamentally changed. And you know, I actually, it's funny. You know, I know, look, I, I'm not huge, a huge fan of the inventory shortage. No one really is, right? But I do feel like there are some cool parts that are coming out of that. This time in kind of slowing things down you know where it's not you know i mean i'm seeing people now not have one f and i turnover right they can have one before the sell they can have one during the sell they can have one after because the car is going to come in in three to four months or something like that so yeah th there's been cool changes there here michael for yourself what are some of the significant changes you've seen in the last 24 months with people in process so i think what carrie and steve is spot on i think what i want to just address in this is a lot of processes have broken down 
Mm. You know, the, the, the speed that's happening in the buying process has created salespeople and managers who have just been able to kind of, you know, figuratively speaking, sit with their feet up on the desk and customers have just walking in and dropping orders. I want this car and this. Okay, it's $40,000. Okay, wonderful. There's a $10,000 addendum. Okay, what am I going to do? Customers know the situation, right? You don't have to explain to people that car. there's inventory, cars are costing more, any of that stuff. You don't have to sell the car anymore. And now that things are starting to change, the economy is getting tighter these things are happening we got to get back to you know the new market and but get back to what you're saying which is processes and customers want one of the customers want a process they're dying for it they're starving for it if you even think even amazon as simple as it is to buy something on amazon there's still a process and it's still like a choose your own adventure right do i want to buy it now (laughs) or put it in my cart it's the same thing with buying this car now. It's because they want someone to take them by the shoulders and move them through a process. And if you don't know what process to do, you're just a waiter serving a $40,000 steak. And that really does fundamentally address the experience. Yeah. The one thing I just want to throw out there, I mean, and I, I think they're, the process, um, the way I kind of think about a process is I always think of it so mechanical. Mm-hmm. I think if you if I'm a customer and I say, oh, I'm going to go through this process, the one thing, and I, I mean, I think you have to have what I'm coming up with is a word called pathways. What is the pathway to the sale? Now, if there's a process, and I'll give an analogy in my presentation I love to talk about is like I can go buy McDonald's. I, I can go through and I can buy it through, you know, go walk in by McDonald's. I can go through the drive-thru. I can order Uber Eats. I can, you know, but there's a process for each of those. And it's a tight process. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think the friendlier thing, what we ought to say is, hey, how would you like to buy the car? You know what I mean? It's just a softer approach so the Mm -hmm. customer doesn't feel like I'm going through this robotic exercise. And, you know, because it's all about the customer experience. We always got to remember that. And so uh, that's the one thing I'd like to think. We got all these tools available. It just asks customer, how would you like to buy the car? Right. But when it, but if you think about it, when there is no process, right? You're right. You what happened? Now it's chaos. It's like it is. It's yeah. like how many times have we all sat in meetings, right? We've all sat in the meeting where the boss or whoever's running the meeting has no agenda. Yes. And the meeting just kind of, and you're sitting there like, Jesus Christ, oh, when I is know. this going to end? This is terrible. <laughs> the the customer is the exact same way when there's no agenda. Mm-hmm. When the salesperson's like just running around, just okay, you want this? I'll give you this. Okay, you want this? I'll give you that. Instead mm-hmm. of moving them in a certain way which they'll enjoy we tend to go it into the extremes in automotive so yes for example yes. there's a script okay i'm going to stick to the script no the script's supposed to be a guide right. you still have to be a human being exactly. you still have you to get, and i think that's what you're saying you, right yes. but this is a guide um i'm going to get into digital retailing so i'm going to put this widget on my site and that is going to help me sell cars online yes. no right <laughs> it's just the starting point and we still have to bring the people in the exactly. process Yep. To really be well, and, successful. and I think that's that's a great point because you know when I think of you know training or when I think of technology when I think of you know CRMs right like, I think too often we kind of lean towards you know those outside sources to kind of define what our process yes. is like oh no my my trainer will tell me how to do this oh no you know no no I'm gonna sign up with that DR product and it's it's gonna tell me how to sell cars online like you yes. were saying and same thing I'm gonna sign up with this CRM and I'm it's just going to do its thing but you, that's a good point though we really do have to define uh, the people in the process before we move to you know the technology or the solution mm-hmm. you know and that's kind of how it is but we don't spend enough time having those conversations yeah. we get we get so excited like oh that's shiny mm-hmm. 
I like it. He's got a nice suit on. I want him to work with He's my dude. He's being nice to He's me. He's being nice to me, right? Um, so let's kind of go do that. Like, um, you know, I think anybody that's going to get into training or look into a new CRM or going to get into a digital retailing uh, product, you know, there's there's some upfront conversation that really should be happening. So I'd love to kind of get your guys' takes of what kind of upfront conversation needs to happen, you know, before a dealership makes, you know, the jump into a new CRM or DR or a training solution. I think... I think the big part of it is understand in all three of our areas, there's a cultural shift that needs to take place. Okay. okay? Even if we're changing our uh, CRMs, right? If we're, you know, that culture changes. If I'm going to sign up with DriveCentric, I understand that I'm creating a backstop for my team with their AI. Mm -hmm. So when things fall through the crack, I know their AI is going to cover me. But that changes the culture. When I'm going to do digital retailing, it changes the entire culture. How do we greet customers? How are we interacting with that process? And then when, if you were to bring in a new training program, it's like, okay, this is now how we're going to change our processes. Yes. You know, all, all of this is a cultural shift. And to do that, dealerships, this comes from the top down, right? The mm -hmm. fish stinks from the head down. And it's, you know, the owner and the GM saying this is important and mm -hmm. driving it through. Right? If you, how many times have either of you implemented things where the owner and the GM's like, yeah, just do your thing, whatever. Right. What happens? <laughs> Those fail. There's yeah. no Every time. Yeah. Every time. But when yeah. the owner says this matters to me and the GM is, you know, checking that box every day. That's a good it's point. A That's a good point. Carrie, um, but even for yourself, you know, what what kind of preparation do you think dealerships really get themselves into, you know, from a mindset perspective mm -hmm. or even a people's perspective or process perspective before they get into digital retail? Yeah, I think it's important to understand, like, what are you trying to accomplish here, right? Ah, is it, there we go, yeah. Is it time savings? Is it we're going to relieve the bottleneck in F&I? Is <laughs> it we want to empower our sales desk so they can more, you know, better quarterback the, the floor? Like, what what is the goal here? Because sometimes I will hear dealers say, well, I want an end-to-end, -end, or they'll focus on um, e-signature. Oh, I want e-contracting, right? Well, like, okay, wait, hold on. Before we even get to the e-contract, <laughs> there's all these other inefficiencies that digital retailing could solve mm -hmm. that we're not even talking about, right? You're not talking about the inefficiency of the sales desk and back and forth. Ah, You're not talking one. about how you're solving the inefficiencies. <laughs> you just want an easier way to have an e-contract. <laughs> like, Easy and I think that to me is more of like, what are we trying to do here? If we really are trying to save time, then we really have to look at all of the, the, the touch points in the consumer experience, really like before before the d d digital retailing comes in. Yeah, before you, before you even have before the conversation, Before you even have right? that conversation. There's prep work, right? And uh, I, I love that we kind of gone down this, this, this rabbit hole because you know, there's prep work before you just decide to get into training. There's prep work before you get into yeah. digital training. There's prep work before you make the monster move of a CRM. I mean, come on. That's never a fun move. That's a big transition. It's not that. It's a great way to get rid of your head trash. It's like flipping an iPhone to another iPhone. Come on. Yeah. Oh God. It's not that bad. I'm going to quote you on that one. I'm saying that a little sarcastic. No, but see for yourself. And look, there's prep work that goes into that. So let's talk a little bit about what should a dealership kind of get themselves prepared for from a team perspective and a process perspective. Yeah, you know, like look, all these CRMs that were out there, they're they were all good, I think, back in the day. I, I just think what we're doing is something fundamentally so different. Um, one of the biggest questions we always get is, you know, well, what's the best process, right, for internet leads or walking traffic? Yep. And we want to get those processes. Well, I'm like, I, I don't know if it'll work at your store. Mm. I don't know if you're all bought in. So I think the biggest things that we've implemented probably the last couple of years is we, we kind of act as a 20 group. 
So if like I have a single point of contact store that's doing everything from literally A to Z, those are stores that we have collectively in Drive Centric that could be in their own little 20 group. If you have a single point of contact, but they still have an FNI, that's another one. If you have a BDC model, that's another 20 group model. So what I try to do, and depending upon what products they get, don't I don't want our dealers to reinvent the wheel. Like they're coming on board with Drive and you know, you worked with Drive, so you kind of know yeah. that it's like, if, if I could have just said, hey, talk to this dealer, go visit this dealer and understand it because you guys have the like business then you can implement similar processes. And that's what I think we're trying to do is really help guide our dealerships instead of waiting six months down the road to get it right up front. And we just say, dude, take the time and go visit a store, talk to these guys, understand Mm -hmm. how to work with AI. Um, If you're gonna do video, how are you gonna implement and build the culture of video at your store? These are all things that a lot of stores just still to this day don't do. And so we're trying to encourage them to go visit other stores and see um, you know, what pay plans are doing. You know, mm-hmm. How do I encourage my people to do it? And the right time to do the video, not just shoot the video, for example. No, it, look, it, it, it is that, that, that pre-workout, right? Like yeah. it, it's, it's, it's the practice before the actual execution, right? You don't just show up one day and just start doing. Like There is that prep work that has to go into it. Guys, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our conversation, but I want to make sure I ask one more question from you all before I let you go. Um, you know, moving forward, Right. I think there's been so many what I'm calling snowballs of change that has kind of happened, you know, over the last 24 months. And some of them are incredibly positive. Uh, some I see that are still creating and, and maintaining momentum. Fortunately, I see some seeing to slow down a little bit, but I'd kind of love to get your guys' thoughts on, you know, moving forward. You know, what some are, what are some of the, the, the people or process, you know, snowballs that you're kind of hoping that will just can keep that momentum moving forward? Uh, Michael, I'll start with you and I'll work my way down. Um, I think part of the big positive is that we're not afraid to talk about price anymore. Yeah, I think that's yeah. important. Like, yes. we're not shying away from it. We're not afraid of it. We're able to have that conversation up front with a mm-hmm. customer and it's okay. Right. It's so taking some of that fear from salespeople, right? Salespeople are always so afraid of going down that rabbit hole of price that they've become less afraid, that they're, Mm -hmm. you know, proud of their profession, that, you know, and that's what I like to see more. I'd like to see that aspect of we are professionals. Tom Brady throws a football every single day, and we know he knows how to throw a football. But there's no difference between the salespeople in the store and Tom Brady. They gotta practice every single day to get good. Is that ball deflated though? I can't well, remember. Well, yes, it's a controversial example. Sorry, oh, I had to bring that up. Sorry. <laughs> All the Raiders fans are not watching anymore. They've, they've, thank you, Michael. They've literally turned us off. That's at all right. This point. Sorry about no, that. I'm messing. <laughs> But I'm, I'm, I'm with a New you. England kid. What I, you want? Look, no, but I, I am with you. I, 100%. You yeah, know, that, that is definitely, nice definitely something see. we need to keep going. And that professionalism, yes. that reminder that, you know, the customer is looking for a pro, right? I need, just like a concierge at a hotel. Yes. I'll go and say, hey, where can I go get a steak tonight? I read about these two restaurants. And she'll go, no, I'm going to send you to this restaurant. And I'll have just as wonderful experience as I would have had in the other two restaurants. The steak will be just as good. But she sent me there because she got a spiff. 
and she made a little extra money, but she also knew my experience would be great, and she steered mm -hmm. me the right way. And that's what we need to be doing more. And that's I want to see that effect. I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you, Carrie. For yourself, what what some of the changes or kind of those snowball effects of of just uh, different processes and technologies that you've seen that would like to keep going? Yeah, what I what I would like to see continue is us to empower the showroom with digital. Right, so we think of digital retailing, once again, as this widget on the site, but how do we take the digital and actually insert it into the showroom and put it in the hands of our team, right? And so I'll use an example, you know, the average BDC, if a customer called and said, can you give me an estimate of a payment? The answer in many cases is like, I can't do that over the phone, or you gotta come <laughs> in, right? And Think about that for a second. So we put a widget on our site that enables a customer who knows nothing about financing to, to get an accurate payment on their own, yet we're not willing to let our team use that same technology to quote somebody Right? Sing it, Who's sister. Amen. Oh my gosh. So yeah. what sense does that make, right? All so, hail carry. So the, so the reality is that, and that's a, that's a huge pain point yes. because customers have no idea why the dealership does not allow a BDC or an internet rep to, to, to make that, right? Mm -hmm. and, they're, and so I think what we have to think about, instead of just arming customers with these digital retailing tools, why can't we arm this, the sales team with management guardrails, of course, right? Yep. Um, with the same technology to be able to talk to a customer and give them information, to be able to guide them through the digital retailing process because they don't do it on their own, most of them, <laughs> or to even be able to do it for a customer that's walking into the showroom via an iPad. I think the trust gap that we know exists between dealers and consumers um, will be will be brought together with technology. A hundred percent, and and we're seeing some of the most progressive leaders start to do exactly yes. what you're talking yep. about. Yes. But I'm with you. That is a snowball change. That it, it is a small one, but I think it's going to continue to grow to be bigger. And we I just got to so. keep it moving. We keep <laughs> it moving. Hey, uh, Steve, for yourself, you know what kind of changes have you seen that you really want to, you would like to see continue to keep its momentum moving forward? Well, I, I think with COVID, it just uh, implemented more of Zoom meetings being more comfortable. Mm -hmm. I, I think um, you know with just some of the things that Kerry was saying is bridging the gap uh, and having dealers understand that the digital showroom is real mm -hmm. and i think if there's a customer that's sitting on my website they want to buy a car and let's just say they don't go through the entire process if i had a website lead that was you know from carrie's company then i'd be sitting there saying hey do you want to continue this journey on the website i mean and and if i can do a zoom meeting with that customer or we call it a live room is to connect the dots where the customer wants to buy the car that's what I'm talking about the customer pathways. You're just, you gotta have the tools in place to satisfy what that customer wants. And the other thing I'll just kind of throw out there is th this is right now the opportunity uh, for dealers to really start thinking about that in a very serious light. There is no control the customer has on price right now. Mm -hmm. The only thing that they can get control of is how they wanna buy. So if it, this is a great opportunity, just ask customer, how would you like to go through and buy the car? And if, if it's, hey, you want to be on the website, you want to buy a car like Carvana? Yeah, you can do everything right here sure. on my website mm -hmm. and you can test drive it and not have to ship it back in a little box in a big Amazon box. <laughs> you know, we can do that for you. Um, but I, I think if you go out there and you offer that customer, just what are they going to tell you? If I have options, I, I didn't know I could do this on your website. You just never know. And you may start a new brand yes. of how your dealership operates in that community. I'm 100% with you. Look, I, I, I think the 
that that old 12-point sales process is dead. We now have buying processes, uh, which are many, many, many different ways. You call them pathways, I think was the word that you used. I think it's a great, that's a great word. I might have to start, I might steal You could take that. I might take that one. I got it from the Um, medical field. But but, but I'm I'm with you though. It's options. We're meeting the customer where they want to be met. We're giving them a process that they want, not one that we decide we want to give them, (laughs) you know? And, And I'm with you, man. I think that that snowball that's been changing over the last 24 months, I hope that continues the momentum. Guys, this has been just an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to come jam with me. I thank really you. appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jason. Thanks, and let's fire up this boat. Let's go. Yeah, We're out. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Where can we take this thing? <laughs> to the keys. Let's go. Into the Matador Yachtcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at matador.ai to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.